On the night that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he had just concluded the Passover meal. Now, other than the Day of Atonement, Passover is probably the most significant feast in all of Jewish history. And it commemorated the time when God, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. By instituting communion in connection with Passover, what Jesus was saying to us is that it pointed to him. All of the elements of communion or of the the Passover that are still celebrated this very day, all were given for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that was to be fulfilled in Jesus. And what a wonderful thing God did. God designed a physical redemption, a physical release from slavery, to illustrate a much greater spiritual redemption, a spiritual release from the bondage of sin. And this morning, before we come around the Lord's table which is the very heart and center of Christian worship. We never get any closer to what it means to be a Christian than when we come around this table. Before we do that this morning, I would like us, in the message that I want to bring, to see the Messiah in the Passover. I want us to go back to Exodus chapter 12 and see the details of the Passover. And then I want us to see in each of those details a parallel with Christ found in the New Testament so that we can really begin to see that Passover really is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment, shall we, and bow our hearts together in prayer. And let's ask the Lord to make this a very meaningful time together in His Word. Lord God, how thankful we are for your eternal plan. Thank you that Jesus Christ was foreknown before the foundation of the world. But he has appeared in these last days for our sakes. Thank you that for hundreds and thousands of years, you gave very practical and very easy to be understood illustrations so that when Jesus came, we could understand exactly who he was and why he came and what he accomplished for us. And then, blessed Savior, because uh, Passover for the believer today has been fulfilled, you gave us a perpetual memorial, a very simple service of the bread and the cup, that we might remember your death on our behalf and your shed blood so that we might have the forgiveness of sins and be the children of God and have the assurance of our own salvation. So I pray today that you will help us to see the Scriptures and see Christ in the Scriptures, to see that really the whole story of the Bible is His story. And may we draw near to Him today. I pray for that soul that yet needs to be converted, needs to come to know the knowledge of their Passover lamb. I pray that that might happen today by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And we'll thank you and praise you 
For Jesus' sake, amen. Let's take our Bible, shall we, and turn back to Exodus chapter 12. And this morning, we want to see Christ in the Passover. And I want to begin by reading verses 1 to 6. And let's notice the very first detail that tells us of Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. First detail that is very critical for the Passover is the lamb was to be without blemish. Fourteen days before Passover, God said to Moses, have every family find an unblemished lamb. Now blemishes signified imperfection, and thus those blemishes were a perfect illustration of sin. Since the lamb was to be a substitute for the firstborn son, it had to be spotless to be accepted by God. God would allow the firstborn son of the Israelites to escape the death angel that was to pass over the land only if the sacrifice were perfect. Now God was teaching a very important principle, wasn't he? He was teaching his people that a sinless sacrifice alone would suffice for sinful people. Let me just put that uh, together again. He was teaching them that a sinless sacrifice alone would suffice for sinful people. Now, keeping your finger here, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And notice how Peter, who had participated in Passover many, many, many times until he went through all the events of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in his very first letter in chapter 1, starting in verse 18, how he makes this wonderful parallel with our Savior. Peter says this about us who know Christ, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, now notice, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Notice what Peter says here about Jesus. He was like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. Remember one day how Jesus was uh, walking uh, along the Judean wilderness side. And John the Baptist, who had some disciples with him, saw Jesus. And John pointed to him. 
And he said to his disciples who had been following him, John the Baptist, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you remember what happened. Those Jewish men following John the Baptist, having received his message of repentance, now preparing for the Messiah. When John said, here is the one, this is the Lamb of God, you have been doing Passover for hundreds and thousands of years, now here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They stopped following John. And they began following Jesus. The only way that Jesus could be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is if He was a sinless sacrifice who could make a perfect atonement. Notice the second parallel. Parallel number two is the Lamb was to be killed. Look again at verse 6 and notice what it says. And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. By the way, can you imagine how difficult that was? To take a yearling from the flock, uh, keep it in your home for two weeks, Your children get close to that precious, adorable, soft, lovable yearling. And then on the first night of Passover, you take the knife and you plunge it into that animal. You see, it died a substitutionary death. It died in the place of the firstborn son of the household. In every place where that yearling was not killed, the firstborn son died. In fact, I want you to notice with me what that was like. Uh, Look down at verse 29 of Exodus chapter 12 and notice what it was like for every home that did not have a lamb that was killed. Look at this. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Hey, it's tough to kill a lamb. How hard was this? Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. This plague was the backbreaker, wasn't it? Have you ever thought about the fact that all the previous nine plagues were reversible? Every one of them was a reversible plague. But this plague was final. None of these children who died in the Egyptian homes could be brought back. There is a finality to death. 
And God was teaching His people that there is also a finality to eternal death, which is the wages of sin. But in each Jewish home, a lamb died instead of a son. Now, the Bible says that Jesus was our substitute. He was our lamb. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want you to notice verse 7. And the Apostle Paul makes this wonderful parallel for us in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Notice what he says to us. He says about us who have come to know Jesus, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are leavened. Now, notice this statement. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. He died in our place, bearing our judgment is what he is saying so that we could escape the judgment of eternal death. As the lamb had to be killed, so Jesus, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed as well. Notice the third parallel. Parallel number three, the blood had to be applied. The blood had to be applied. Please don't miss this this morning. It was not enough for the lamb to be sacrificed. God said to his people, the blood has to be applied. And it's when I see the blood that the angel of death will pass over you. Now let's go back to Exodus chapter 12 and let's notice this. Starting in verse 7, Moses was very clear. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Then drop down to verse 21 and notice how Moses followed through with these instructions. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You've studied this before. It is interesting to note that the blood on the lintel and the doorposts formed the shape of a cross. It was not enough just simply for the lamb to be sacrificed. But the blood had to be applied by faith. Applying the blood was an act of faith in God's provision of a perfect sacrifice. And it was then and only then when the blood was applied that the destroying angel passed over. Now this is exactly the way with the Lord Jesus. 
The Lord Jesus shed blood must be applied to our lives by faith. Look with me, if you would, for just a moment in John chapter 3. And I want you to notice how Jesus emphasized how important it is to apply to our hearts by faith what he accomplished for us. All of us know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But notice with me verses 14 and 15 before that famous verse. Look what Jesus said. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Notice Jesus said a provision has been made. The Son of Man has been lifted up on this cross illustrated by the Passover. But he says, the one who believes in him may have eternal life. It is when we personally trust the Lord Jesus that the cleansing power of his blood is applied to our life and we receive him and it is then that life is brought to us in place of death. This image, you know, of the serpent being lifted up is a wonderful Old Testament image. The children of God had rebelled against the Lord. And the Bible says that God sent poisonous snakes amongst them, and thousands died. And when Moses cried out to God to end this plague, God said to Moses, I want you to take and make a bronze serpent. I want you to put it on a pole, and I want you to lift it up. And I want you to tell anyone who has been bit by a poisonous snake... If they will look at that bronze serpent, they will be healed. Did you know in the Bible, the word and expression of look is a synonym for faith? Isaiah said in his day, Look unto me, the Lord says, all the ends of the earth, and be saved. And when we look to God, what is happening is we are looking away from ourselves. And those who had been bitten by the snake, as they looked to that serpent, they were looking away from themselves to God and the provision that He had made. And when they looked in faith, they were healed. And now says Jesus, I'm going to be lifted up on a cross. I'm the perfect Lamb of God. I'm going to die for the sins of the world and be raised again to life. And anyone who will look to me in personal faith to apply that blood to their lives will be cleansed and given life evermore. It is all taught for us here in this amazing Passover. Let's look at the fourth parallel. Parallel number four is the judgment of death was escaped. The judgment of death was escaped. Look again at verses 12 and 13 of Exodus chapter 12. And notice what God said. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. 
The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And notice again in verse 23 that that's exactly what happened. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house or to destroy you. When the angel of death saw the blood, he passed over. Now, the New Testament makes this connection. When Christ comes to live within us, he removes the sentence of death and he justifies us. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 3 for just a moment. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and this is one of those places where it's very helpful to have one of the most literal translations you can have, because as the Apostle Paul explains this, he uses the very expression, pass over, which is the literal rendering here of the verse. So let's follow along here in Romans 3, starting at verse 23, and you follow and notice this amazing and wonderful application. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation, a satisfaction, a putting away, as it were, by His blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's, divine, God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance, notice this, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Did you notice here that Paul says, God passed over the sins of the Old Testament saints. That's exactly what He did when the angel of death saw the blood on the doorway. You see, the Lamb's blood could not deal with human sin, so God passed over that human sin, giving a reprieve, if you will, to the Old Testament saints. Paul says he did that until the coming of Jesus, whose shed blood could deal with sin once for all. Now, because his shed blood could deal with sin once for all, in verse 26, Paul says God is now just, and he is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I love this illustration that somebody put together bringing these two stories together. Look at what this illustration says. Every father in Israel made the sign of the cross in the blood of the Lamb. And God passed over their sins because He looked forward to the cross. But today God will forgive our sins because he now looks back to the cross. And I love what this wonderful illustration says. 
God's deliverance always comes by His cross and by His blood. That's what God was teaching us. Let me ask you today, have you experienced this deliverance? You might be here today and you've heard this story from the Scriptures many, many times. But here's the fundamental question. Have you applied the blood to your life? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted Him as your Lord and Savior? It is only when you have that God is now just in forgiving you and He is the justifier of the one who believes in Jesus because 2,000 years ago He paid for your every sin and God now can be a righteous God and forgive you because He looks at what Jesus did. What a wonderful thing this is. Look finally, number five, at the fifth parallel. Finally, the penalty and the power of sin is broken. The penalty and the power of sin is broken. I want you to turn back with me to Exodus chapter 12 again. And I want you to notice that following the Passover, the Jews entered into the Feast of Unleavened Bread for a week. And listen to what God said to His people after Passover as they entered into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Start with me at verse 15 of Exodus 12. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leaven from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt, therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Now, what's going on here? The Israelites were to remove all leaven from their homes on the evening of Passover. In the Bible, leaven symbolizes sin because sin spreads. And it corrupts every single thing that it teaches. And what God was teaching His people was they must be cleansed from sin if they are to enjoy fellowship with Him. Now Paul picks up on this, and I want you to turn back with me to 1 Corinthians 5 again, because I want you to notice how the Apostle Paul picks up on this. It is so very wonderful as he puts this together with the Passover. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 5, now this time the first part of verse 7. He says about us as believers, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lamp, 
as you really are unleavened. Now look at that. Leaven symbolizes sin. Removing it from the home symbolized uh, the, the, the cleansing of the home. Now the Bible says, as a Christian, when we come to Christ, it's as though our hearts are unleavened as Jesus forgives us and cleanses us from every stain, and now we are set apart for God's holy purposes. That is the reality of every believer who gathers for this communion service today. We are not gathering to be unleavened. We are gathering because we have been by the blood of of Jesus. But then notice something very significant. Following the Passover, the Israelites kept the feast of unleavened bread for seven days. What was God teaching them? He was teaching them that after they were redeemed, they needed to live a holy life. Now what the Bible does then is it compares the Christian life to a perpetual feast of unleavened bread. Let me share with you again how the feasts of Israel all find their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here are the three spring feasts. If you've never thought about this or considered it, it is fascinating. Passover, the first of the spring feasts, was fulfilled in the death of Jesus when he died for the penalty of sin. First fruits, the third of the spring feasts, was fulfilled in his resurrection when he rose from the dead to provide new life for every Christian. Unleavened bread, the second of the three spring feasts, is fulfilled in his dealing with the leaven of sin in the life of the Christian. Notice how Paul makes this parallel in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. You're in verse 7, look at verse 8. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now follow this, how wonderful this is. After we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we now continue to live a holy life by depending upon the Lord Jesus to help us. So think about this. Through the Passover, our Passover lamb, Jesus, we are cleansed. The penalty of sin has been removed. But now as we celebrate the feast of unleavened bread in the Lord Jesus Christ, He now helps us to overcome the power of sin. You see, one of the great privileges that we have as as we come to this communion table, is it reminds us, every one of us, about our forgiveness. And I hope today that you are reminded as a Christian, I have been forgiven. I do not come to be forgiven, I come because I have been forgiven. 
Then as we partake of the elements of the Lord, we confess our sins to God. Knowing that when we do that, His blood always avails for us. And His blood continues to daily cleanse us from sin. And then as we fellowship with the Lord during this time, He strengthens us for the daily battle with sin. It is all here. It is all here. A very famous rabbi said this, Jews look back to Passover. Christians look back to Easter. It's not quite right, is it? That's not quite right. Jews look back to Passover, said the rabbi. Christians look back to Easter. That's not quite right. That's not quite right. What is it? What is it? Here's what it is. Christians look back to Passover. Then they look ahead to Good Friday and Easter. Because on that weekend, Jesus Christ fulfilled Passover once for all. Now we are forever until He comes celebrating the feast of unleavened bread. As He does His wonderful work in our life. That's how it works for every Christian. All of God's people said this morning, Amen and Amen. Let's bow our hearts together for just a moment. Father, it's almost impossible for us to take this in. It's almost impossible for Gentiles separated from the promises to Israel, alienated from the commonwealth of the ancient people of God to recognize that all that you did for them was ultimately for our sakes today as well, that upon us on whom the end of the ages have come, we might be included in Christ. Thank you, Lord, today that what for thousands of years could never avail, we now see was a perfect picture of the one who could. Father, all of us today who have trusted Jesus, the angel of death has passed over us. We can pick up the Bible and read. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We have been transferred out of death and into life. 
We are forgiven and the children of God forevermore. But we thank you, Lord, that every day, every day in our battle with sin is a perpetual feast of unleavened bread. And by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that works within us and the people of God that are all around us, we find strength to fight the daily battle with the evil we are still prone to. And we're so thankful, Lord Jesus, you not only died to forgive us, but you died to live within us, that we might live for your holy name. Thank you that this very service is a strengthening service. While there is no saving grace here, as we fellowship with Jesus, there is strengthening grace. We can find relief for our troubled consciences, Lord, and then we can find strength to go from this place, to live for Him who loved us and who gave Himself for us. Bless us now, Lord. Bless us. And just before we enter around the table of the Lord, I wonder today, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, have you applied the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to your life? He died for you. You know the story. His sacrifice was made and he rose again to prove that he was who he said he was. But until you look to him, Until by faith you apply the the blood to your life, you cannot be forgiven, nor can you receive life evermore. And as we participate today in this reminder of what Jesus did, I pray for you. I pray that this will be a day in which you will apply the blood of Christ by looking to Him by faith. That he will save you, cleanse you, and forgive you. And that you will be born into the family of God this very day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.